Jamie, look at look at the big pile of news. It, it's it's threatening to topple over and crush the interns. There's so much news. I mean, that's so a much big news. pile of news. I thought we'd now. have a break during lockdown, but no, there's so much. How are we going to fit it all in one cast? We're going to have to squeeze and prune and blag and smuggle. Ian, Ian, can you come give me a hand with Ian, please? He gets a little bit jittery when we've had so much news. So there's much more news. stuff started happening since you started talking to him. Oh, oh for heaven's sake! Oh, come on, right? Okay, right. Both, both of you, both of you, both of you. Come on, right. Walk with me, you know. Obviously, keep two two meters socially distant. Come on, here are the chairs. Sit down, guys. Just just sit down and relax. Okay, okay. okay. Now, now there's, look, the microphone's in front of you. We'll get yes. through this. Let's go. Hi, I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm Ian Chandler, and I am Jamie Adams, and this is Brainwaves, episode fifty-two bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 6th of July, 2020. The head rolls at Cards Against Humanity. Any awards announced, but not everyone is happy. And Wizards of the Coast cuts ties with artists. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. After the accusations we covered in our last cast, uh, Cards Against Humanity have released a statement and it's not very long so we would like to read it in full starting on june the 6th several of our former employees posted reports on social media about a toxic work environment in our chicago office many of them centered on one of our eight co-founders max temkin who led that office we immediately began an internal investigation and on june the 9th we made the following commitments to our staff max temkin stepped down and no longer has any active role at cards against humanity effective that day We are hiring a specialist firm to review and improve all HR, hiring and management practices at the company. Our goal is to make these practices more inclusive, transparent and and equitable. An outside organisation will lead workplace training for all partners and employees of Cards Against Humanity, focusing on communication and unconscious bias at work. As Cards Against Humanity rapidly grew from a hobby project in our parents' basements to a company with 18 full-time employees, we made a lot of mistakes. We want to apologise to employees who are unheard or disrespected in our office. We are truly sorry. We also want to state unequivocally that we condemn harassment of anyone who has posted stories about their experiences at Cards Against Humanity. In the interest of transparency, we are now sharing our complete response to a series of questions we received via email from a reporter at Polygon regarding our company and the accounts on social media. Some of these accounts are true, others are not, and a few we are continuing to investigate. We are committed to rebuilding a workplace that the partners and staff can be proud of. It is our responsibility to see this through. Sincerely, Josh, Daniel, Eli, Ben, David M, David P, active co-founders, Cards Against Humanity. Now we'll link to the Polygon article where there is more of from the statement. The questions they mentioned answering are all in there so you can read the answers to those yourself. There has also been another extraordinary accusation that seems to be legitimate from former writer Nicholas Carter. This appeared on Medium. I'll I'll just summarize it, but Nicholas basically says that when he raised concerns about racist language in the game, he himself being a person of color, that he was effectively institutionalized by the company for a period of days. Uh, Now, Ian, you read a little bit more about that incident than I did. So can you sort of summarize it a little bit further for me? 
Yeah, from what he says, it appears that he raised his concerns, was told everything would be sorted, and behind the scenes, Cards Against Humanity's senior staff contacted his parents, convinced them that something was very wrong with Nicholas, and together his parents and the company um, got Nicholas involuntarily committed to a mental institution against Nicholas's will over the weekend. It appears Nicholas took some time to get out of this. For what it's worth, it's it's unclear whether Cards Against Humanity have denied this specific allegation or not, but they don't seem to be saying anything about it. But it does appear to be corroborated elsewhere. And if further news about Cards Against Humanity that has been breaking over the last week or so, uh, workers at Cards Against Humanity have announced they are going to be forming a union called Cards Against Humanity Workers United and are working with Chicago and Midwest Regional Joint Board of Workers United to demand recognition from the company's owners. The union say they have formed to prevent abusive management practices and toxic conditions, which they say go well beyond the sole removed member of management. Workers say recent allegations have united previously siloed staff into realising issues at the company were widespread. Cards Against Humanity leadership have since stated to Polygon that they intend to recognise the union, and if the majority of our employees want a union, we are all for it. News keeps coming thick and fast out of Cards Against Humanity. What do you think, gents? Based on the unionization announcement, it sounds like a horrendous place to work, and it sounds like people were just suffering by themselves and did not realize quite how widespread this was across the entire company. Yeah, indeed. It's a thing it's drawn, it's allowed people to come together at least to actually try and get some things sorted at that company, and we hope, we wish them the best for doing that. It, it, did Kickstarter employees a world of good when they unionized, and we can only hope the same thing comes out of this announcement. I really hope so. Ian, I think you've got some news out of Wizards of the Coast and the relationship with a particular artist. Indeed. Wizards of the Coast have announced that they have parted ways with artist Noah Bradley as he confessed to inappropriate sexual conduct with members of the magic community. Sexual allegations against Noah Bradley started to appear on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and Noah Bradley eventually admitted to the behaviour. In his statement, Noah Bradley said, and I'll quote, I was terrible to women, I preyed on them, I ceaselessly hit on them, I pressured them into sex, I got too drunk and did all manner of dumb things. Yes, I was one of those explosive deleted, creepy sexual predators that you hear about. This statement came a day after Betty Zhang, a concept artist, posted accusations of sexual harassment with the perpetrator matching Noah Bradley's appearance. It is good to see Magic and Wizards of the Coast taking some action and taking this stance. They still have Mike Merles, who was heavily involved in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, on board, and Mike Merles was fundamental in protecting Zach S., whose abuse allegations we've discussed extensively in previous casts. Yep, another company sort of trying to clean house a bit and trying to maybe reconcile with their less than salubrious past uh, hopefully i mean in a way i hope we sort of see more of this stuff coming out because it'd be good for the industry i think uh, if this sort of stuff actually comes out and is addressed and is properly dealt with it's worse if it stays underground and there's no way for people to talk about it and to actually say what's happened in the past it's not nice to talk about obviously but it needs this stuff needs addressed, don't you think, gents? Absolutely, it does need addressed, and a firm judgment reached on this. It's the only way this industry will be able to bring itself out of the situation it has found itself in. 
I've certainly seen quite a lot of explosive accusations come out over the last couple of months. And yeah, it does seem the industry is cleaning house a little bit and that's a good thing in a way. Uh, but we're probably going to be talking about this kind of thing more on the cast. We make no apologies for that because it does need covered. Jamie, talking about controversies, there's some over at the Ennies, I believe. Yes, it is me, your humble award correspondent here with some news about a new, not a new award, but information about a new nominations for an award. That is the Ennies, the fan-made in celebration of excellence in tabletop gaming design and tabletop gaming. It is in its 19th year this year. And a whole host of nominees for the Any Awards have come out. Now, they were announced on the 29th of June, and the winners will be announced on the 31st of July. So stick around uh, to the podcast, and we will have the winners of the Ennies at the beginning of August. There's some notable nominees, I would say. Uh, Electric Bastion Land is nominated in Best Writing. Uh, the Dungeon Book of Battle Mats has been nominated for Best Aid and Accessory. And Ian, I believe you have an interview with people behind the Book of Battle Mats in your uh, recurring Meeting of Minds, which has just kicked back into life. Yeah, indeed. I've interviewed uh, Matt and Tamsin from uh, Loki Battle Mats, who produced the Dungeon Book of Battle Mats and the Big Book of Battle Mats I own. Really cool product. I love it. And uh, yeah, you can have a wee read of that about how. COVID has affected the company and their plans to the future and all sorts of things on the site. Nice. Nominated for Best Free Product, we have Beowulf Hermit's Sanctuary from a local designer, John Hodgson, and his company, Handiwork Games. And we have uh, a game called Icarus uh, from Renegade Game and Hunter's Entertainment, nominated for Best Production Values and Best Rules. Now, I, Ian and I have played Icarus. We played it with Sam oh, over a year ago now. And it's the only one I've played, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I hope it does well. Uh, I want to play that again when we have time to actually see each other. Um, but overshadowing all this, uh, one product, Lancer, uh, was originally nominated for Best Electronic Product. Now, Lancer is an RPG about mech pilots and features tactical mech play, uh, as well as play focused on the interpersonal relationships of the pilots. Think Neon Ge- uh, Genesis Evangelion, a Pacific Rim, that kind of thing. Now, the company behind Lancer, Massive Press, have objected to the 2017 Ennie Award for a product from the Lamentations of the Flame Princess called Blood in the Chocolate, which is ostensibly a Willy Wonka-esque adventure. As far as Massive Press are concerned, this product is, to quote from them, Willy Wonka Blueberry Fetish-themed adventure featuring prominent sexual assault that won a gold Ennie for Best Adventure in 2017. Now, Massive Press went on to ask in their Twitter thread if anyone from the Ennies had ever made a statement about that. Lamentations of the Flame Princess came under heavy criticism when they did not withdraw books by Zach S. from publication. Zach S. being a figure we've mentioned on this podcast already and who has featured in news stories that we have covered before after multiple allegations of sexual assault have been levelled against him. The Ennies did reach out to Massive Press, and I'll paraphrase the emails that they shared, saying the Any Committee does not retroactively remove rewards, as in doing so would negate the will of the gaming community. Now, it's worth noting that in 2015, the unofficial Mass Effect RPG was withdrawn from nominations after complaints from Bethesda over copyright issues. So the judges do have some power, but I believe the point they're probably going to make is that's nominations, not actual awards that have been awarded. 
Um, in response to all this, Massive Press has said they would be withdrawing uh, from the nominations and pointed out that Blood on the Chocolate is still advertised as any award-winning, which has no doubt garnered them extra sales. And they've gone a step further and said they will not be using drive through RPG to sell their product whilst Blood in the Chocolate remains for sale on that site. Quite a strong statement, a solid, uh, strong move from the company. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens regarding this, whether or not that bears fruit, and stick around because that is a story that will be covered again later. No doubt. I mean, you said there, Jamie, that you think that <laughs> the Ennies will say that the Mass Effect RPG was withdrawn before awards, but at the moment we're at the nominee stage, so they are. we are talking about, like, content at this point in the nomination process and the awards process so i mean it's it's up to the any judges i think and the, any sort of committee to really make sure that like really controversial horrible material isn't getting voted on and getting True. nominated for awards oh i can com- i completely agree i'm just thinking that might be uh, a way that might go anyway that's some pre- fairly heavy headlines let's go on with the news Yeah, so we're not done with controversy in the RPG sphere. The DMs Guild has removed a book from sale for provocative art. Now, if you're not aware, the DMs Guild is the online shop for PDFs of fan-made content that Wizards of the Coast has sort of approved. Uh, we've covered them before. Basically, Wizards gets a 50-50 cut of anything that goes on there. It's hosted through DriveThruRPG, which is the major site for buying rpg pdfs on the web on the 29th of june curse of hearts which is a fifth edition dungeons dragons adventure was pulled from the guild after the writer and the dm's guild failed to reach an agreement about provocative art the dm's guild had deemed two pieces of art too much for a kid slash teen friendly environment their words to put curse of hearts in context it has the tagline undead angst and boy toys with the subheading it's not really an adventure i just want people to get gay with vampires so that should really tell you all you need to know about it. In a Twitter thread, the writer went on to compare the banned pieces of art with pieces that show the same things his product got banned for. The two pieces in question were called Pink Pudding and Headless Vampire. The former was banned because the art included the fondling of a nipple. The artist compared this to art which features female characters doing just that across DM's Guild products, and in one case, pushing their breasts into someone's face. The second piece, the artist does agree, is a little bit risque, and there was also a third piece he was advised that was borderline as it was higher risk in terms of uh, Wizards of the Coast asking to remove it from the guild. Again, the writer compares it to very similar art of the female form. We'll link to the examples so you can make up your own mind, but it very much seems like the art that is made with the LGBTQ plus gays in mind is coming under much heavier criticism than the sort of cheesecake you might see all over this sort of product on the DMs Guild, and we all know what I'm talking about. It's all over this kind of product and has been for... Well, since the dawn of Dungeons and Dragons, effectively, mm. and tabletop role-playing, JML bikinis, all that jazz. It's mm. all it's all over this kind of thing. Mm. A particular gaze. Yeah, a, a, a particular male gaze. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, straight male gaze, more accurately. So yeah, it, it, it we'll bring you more on this if it develops at all. But at the moment, that product is pulled. The writer has said he has no intention of cha- changing it in the way that what he wants. Um, I'm sure he'll put it up somewhere else if you want it and you can go and find it and if we see it being advertised we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well Ian would you like to play a game? (laughs) Yes 
So, this is the news that an AI has been set loose on Diplomacy. Diplomacy was originally released in 1959 and designed by Alan B. Kalheimer. However, researchers have begun training a new AI based on the Diplomacy rule set. This is DeepMind, who've previously done work with Go, Chess, and StarCraft. The researchers are, however, using a no-press variant of Diplomacy, which does not allow communication between players, sadly. So the focus of this research is in taking this AI from two-player games like Go and Chess and teaching it to develop in a many-agent setting, presumably with multiple opponents. It's really interesting to see AI develop in the board game sphere, as I saw a fascinating article last month where Viticulture's AI opponents were actually devised using similar neural nets, um, which means that the AI in Viticulture developed its own strategies, and in actual fact, the harder levels do not make wine very much at all. They focus very much on other things that give victory points, despite Viticulture being ostensibly about making wine. You said that was it was developed by DeepMind, yes? And they were the yes, ones that indeed. made the AI that we talked about. Oh, I'm ashamed yeah. to say I can't remember. Uh, but it, it was... Yeah, no, it was a couple of years ago, and it was... Oh, no, without Google AI. Yeah, no, well, AI Deep Mind is AlphaGo. It is, yeah. Uh, Deep Mind was behind yep. AlphaGo. Yes, it's no, I'm thinking of something else, so I'm, I'm... But we also reached out to our listeners and Twitter followers, and we got this little uh, vox pop from Oliver from Tabletop Games Blog about the game that he would like to see an AI turned on. Hello there, it's Oliver from Tabletop Games Blog here. The game that I think AI should be trained on is Assembly by Ren Games. It's a cooperative game, but unlike in other cooperative games where players can talk to each other, in Assembly you cannot communicate at all. You have one option to ask one specific question, but that's it. So the AI would have to try and predict what the other player might be doing and make decisions based on that, and that's going to be quite interesting. Cheers, Oliver. Nice. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea of it being yeah, used for assembly. I've got assembly actually. I just haven't actually got around to playing it. Mm. So I will, I will get around to playing that, Janice. I do apologize. I, have, I bought, bought, bought it from her, but I have not actually played it. I have a good idea what could be quite good for for uh, an AI, and I say this, you know, Dune. Ooh, I do think it's interesting that they're just they're only training on the sort of strategic elements of that game. Rather, there's no attempt about the communication and the backstabbing because diplomacy is majorly about that so i'd be more interested to see them starting to push towards that kind of thing yeah maybe you you learn the basics of how to play the game without communication between players and then you know hopefully give it time give it the time to develop then you bring in then you bring in communication and see how that goes and again that could go horribly wrong but it's all a learning process and eventually that computer will enslave us all just from learning diplomacy. Well, t- talking about things enslaving us all, it's I believe that Marvel is about to team up with someone, Jimmy. Yeah, that's 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 right. Uh, assembling Marvel, teaming up, never no no idea. But uh Marvel has teamed up with a company that I actually didn't expect, although it was probably inevitable, and that is Games Workshop. Now, in their respective fields, Marvel and Games Workshop have dominated the various spheres of geek culture but they've together announced a set of comics to be released in october now warhammer 40,000 marnius kalgar is written by kieran gillen veteran comic author all-round geek producer 
from projects such as Wicked and Divine. Wicked and Divine is absolutely fantastic and you should read it. (laughs) He has has tons of Marvel credits as well. And it'll be illustrated by Jason Burroughs, who has worked on Alan Moore projects. He's worked on Marvel. He's worked on Transmetropolitan. Okay, I'm totally sold. (laughs) Excellent thing. Um, Funny enough, considering the name, the comic's going to focus on the character Marnius Calgar, who is the chapter master of the Ultramarine chapter of Space Marines. Uh, his backstory and his adventures in the 42nd millennium. GW continues its impressive run over the last couple of years. It's been doing so well recently and spreading its influence far and wide. Will we see Will we see an MCU crossover? Uh, That's it's, the thing. But I don't know. Right now, I think it's just they've got the comics publishing ability. We might see that, but the mouse continues to dominate all. Yeah, they've got to be talking um, films in the background, surely. And, yeah, yeah. this must be a trial run for more yeah. exploitation of IP. I just want to say it's it's wonderful Jamie gave the actual description of Marnius Calgar because I wasn't quite sure, so I just put in a famous space marine. Yes, he, he is the... He's been the chapter master of the Ultramarines for quite a long time and still remains to even with the uh, rebirth of Rebute Gilliman, the Primarch of the Ultramarines and Lord Commander of the Imperium. And before Jamie disappears down a 40k hole, let's go over to Ian, who's got some news about some grants you might want to apply for. While we do that, I think it's too late. I think Jamie's actually vanished. Oh, yes, he has. Um, This place is like that sometimes, you know. Reality pops in and out. Anyway, do continue while he pops back. So, this is my favourite bit of tabletop news in quite a long time. The Tabletop Mentorship Programme, who have who are just generally lovely people. They pair up experienced tabletop people with inexperienced people looking to get into the tabletop sphere. Have And these people have announced a micro-grant scheme. Um, it's a monthly project, and the grant applications are open to people from underrepresented groups in the tabletop community. And each month, three people will be chosen to receive $100 to put towards their projects. Program's goal is to help people from underrepresented groups make meaningful progress towards their own project or goals, and in doing so, increase representation across the board. Applications open at the start of each month, they're free, and then they close at the end of each month. They're then anonymized, given to the program's review board, and selected. And that review board is a changing, revolving review board of people of many groups and diversities. Fan Rider Games are on board to sponsor a month as of Evil Hat Productions and Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. So this is just wonderful news to presumably increase the quality of criticism and The diversity in criticism creation. as well, because let's face it, exactly. we're three white guys yep. talking about board game reviews. <laughs> and quite a lot of <laughs> the people who do board game reviews look quite a lot like us. Yup. And it'd be good to see some yep. more diverse voices because then just different eyes on things, different viewpoints, different cultural viewpoints are always good to, for the help of the growth of any kind of artistic form. I mean, we are, I mean, we are all kind of not on video with each other, but, you know, I can feel that it is really a blizzard on this podcast. I'm back from my uh, Warhammer pit that I fell down. It was great, sort of. But there is some big news regarding quite a quite a prominent I guess elder statesman almost of the uh, of the industry. 
Absolutely. Games industry veteran Stephen Bonacore has announced that he is going to be retiring as president of Stronghold Games. Uh, Steve Bonacore is a huge presence in the board gaming industry. He does lots of promotion in media. He's at all the big US cons, travels the world to promote board games, has helped develop hundreds of games, both within Stronghold Games and in partnerships across the industry. Uh, Sydney Engelstein will become director of game development for Stronghold Games and ownership of Stronghold Games is passing over to Travis Worthington. Now, he was the president of Indie Board and Cards when and Stronghold Games and Indie Boards and Cards merged earlier in the year. So this is this sort of thing has been in the pipeline for a little while. Uh, we wish him all the best from everyone at Brainwaves and I'm sure we'll see more of Stephen around in the future doing some different things. Ian, a little bit of news out of Board Game Geek. Yeah, this is that Board Game Geek has acquired tabletop events. So the main hobbies website, I probably don't need to explain who Board Game Geek are, have acquired events hosting company Tabletop Events. This move comes with a similar announcement that Board Game Geek Con, which had been scheduled for November, has been cancelled due to coronavirus restrictions. Tabletop Events specialise in online and virtual gaming cons, and their expertise will be used to host a second virtual gaming con. The first virtual gaming con ended on the 28th of June and served as a replacement event for the Board Game Geek Spring and Dice Tower East events. Yeah, it's interesting to see them acquiring a company like that. I, I do wonder what the financials of that, that deal are. And, uh, it's interesting to see them investing in a sort of a virtual platform and maybe that'll be a good thing for the industry if they see like a big movement like that. Uh, investing in the virtual space maybe we'll see more of that from cons down the line as we've spoken about before yeah it's great to see them investing in actual professional companies yeah. as well as yeah this expertise should make everything just run more smoothly looking forward to it indeed jamie gmt are being generous now gents i don't know it might have escaped your notice might not have but we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the economy around the world is well it's tanking and we have a number of companies, board game companies, helping out by providing free games, mainly through print and play variety. Now, one such is GameRight. Now, you might know them famously for things like Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island or Forbidden Skies or indeed Sushi Go. I love Sushi Go. But they've announced that their game, Sneaky Cards, which is a little bit like uh, Don't Get Got by Big Potato Games, will be available through print and play. Funnily enough, don't get got. It's also available through print and play, uh, which is lovely to see. But yes, GMT Games, makers of bitty, heavy, historical, but very lovely games, have gone pretty much a step further and are offering to send out games to people who have been particularly badly hit during the coronavirus crisis. The press statement reads, We know that this virus, in addition to the threat it poses to our collective health, has had a negative economic impact on many of our customers as well. As with so many social or economic problems, it's not within our power to provide big fixes to restore lost jobs, retirement funds, or lost earning power. But we've decided, as we did numerous times in the wake of the 2008 financial meltdown, that we can show support for those of you who have lost jobs by giving you a free game or two. I know it's not much in the greater scheme of things, but we want you to know that we are thinking of you and that your welfare, including the ability to de-stress and decompress from the pressures of the world by playing games, is important to us. Here are the details. If you have lost your job due to shutdown-related layoffs or closings since 15th of March 2020, you are eligible to get one 
for non-US customers, or two, for US customers, free games from us, from games that are in stock now. I'd love to give an extra game to international customers as well, but the spiking shipping rates overseas limits our ability to do so. Now, if you'd like to take advantage of that, if you have been hit by the coronavirus layoffs, get in contact with GMT Games. I think I think it is what a lovely thing to do. I think it's a fantastic uh, thing for them to do. Yeah, and as I said, it in the greater scheme of things, it's not going to help, you know. But I mean, I've got two GMT games sitting on my shelves. I've got 1960: The Making of a President and Sekigahara. They are excellent games. They take ages to play, but they're excellent games. I still want to play Sekigahara. Oh, mate, I will play that with you in a heartbeat. I'll play both of them, to be honest. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great to see companies doing things like this. And uh, don't forget, there's our isolation con list on the site uh, with everything that we found that companies are doing for free. That's kind of slowed down a bit now uh, as com- countries start to come out of lockdown a bit. So I haven't really been updating it much. But there's still a bunch of free stuff to find in there if you want to go and have a look. Anyway, gents, it has been a long cast so far. Let us get out of here. What? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. We're not getting what? out of here. Why not? No, because you've forgotten, Ian. Forgotten what? Forgotten it's time for our regularly recurring segment. Our regularly recurring segment? (laughs) Yes. Board game fun facts. Now today, this fact comes from your favourite account's favourite account, Aza Barsa. Thank you, Aza. Did you know that Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson Games fame the company behind Munchkin, for example, is sometimes mistaken for Steve Jackson of Games Workshop fame, very early Games Workshop and more prominently known for fighting fantasy. This confusion is further exacerbated by the fact that while Steve Jackson of Games Workshop fame was the co-creator of the fighting fantasy books, the Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson games wrote three books in this series and did not disclose which Steve Jackson he was. Those books being Scorpion Swamp, Demons of the Deep, and Robot Commando. Now, as always, this leads us to our question of the cast. Have the Steve Jackson ever been seen in a room together? Answers on a postcard, please. To the usual address, of course. Now, on to the Monopoly news. No, no, there's not enough time. We're done. What? But I've got tons of Monopoly news here. No, Jamie. too much news. Jamie, you're, you're holding an empty sack. Do you really have tons of Monopoly news? <laughs> I've got ton. I've got. Sack. I've got tons of fun facts. Do you have tons of fun facts? I got tons of fun facts. You can keep your fun facts for next time on our recurring, our, our recurring segment that everyone has always obviously heard before. Obviously, I mean we would we wouldn't be desperate in the middle of a lockdown and coming up with new segments. I mean that's 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 crazy talk. Before we go, we'd just like to give a little shout out to our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe. Hopefully they will be up and running soon as the lockdown starts to lift in Scotland. And if you'd like to join them in becoming a, a patron, you can do so by checking out our Patreon page. We've got uh, You can join us from as little as $1 and you get an extended version of our regular cast as well as our monthly update newsletter, which we just sent out yesterday, which has a little bit of a sneak peek of all the stuff we'll be doing over the coming month. Spoilers, I've been doing lots of pirates. Jamie's been doing lots of pirates. 
he has been it's true thanks very much for listening if you like what you listen to then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on itunes you can also follow us on twitter at the giant brain instagram giant brain uk facebook the giant brain website giantbrain.co.uk and finally you can reach us by email at giantbrainuk gmail.com please do send Ian some nonsense emails. <laughs> yes, I'd love it. I'd love any emails. Just uh, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in the cast. If you've got anything to say about anything we've covered in this cast, we'll happily read out your emails on the next one. Thank you very much, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.